What I've seen, and Anthony touched on earlier, is why financial planning has failed, why we believe that. One of the biggest reasons is that the approach to the last several generations from a financial advisor perspective has been, give me the money. I'm the smartest guy in the room and let me take care of it and come back for it. And I'll tell you how it's doing every six months. Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Okay, so today I'm speaking with Anthony Faso and Cameron Christensen. They are the founders of Infinite Wealth Consultants and hosts of Infinite Wealth Podcasts. So Anthony is a U.S. Army veteran. He's self-described recovering CPA. And Cameron is a former economics advisor and a private banking specialist. And I have the pleasure of having both of them today on the show. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Cameron. Great having you today. Hey, Ellie. Thanks for having us. It is great to be here. We are excited. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about before the official recording started, and you guys are calling in today from Las Vegas. How, <laughs> how did you guys meet? How did you partner up? Oh man, Anthony and I, Anthony had the pleasure of meeting me about 10 <laughs> years ago <laughs> and it was actually when we first, get, both of us first kind of got into this industry. I got into it about a day before he did and then he followed me shortly, but we actually met at the old firm that we worked with and him and I previously worked together for eight years at our mm. old firm and then we just recently partnered on this endeavor, Infinite Wealth, about a year and a half ago. So we've known each other for quite a while and as we go throughout this episode, you'll probably realize that we're pretty good friends in the big picture. So if there's a shot to be taken, we'll definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see that. So what do you guys do? You know, you have consultancy, you know, firm Infinite Wealth Consultancy. You're hosting a podcast also, which, you know, I'm, I might visit as well. And, you know, Anthony, you came from the, you know, used to be, in the U.S. Army, what led you to do, or well, first and foremost, what do you guys do just so our listeners can understand a little bit better about, you know, about your company? I would say if we were to summarize it, it would be our goal is to help clients become financially independent. But when we say independent, it's not just dollars, it's also the sense as a knowledge, right? So we don't want them just to rely on our advice, could, then they're not completely independent. We want to teach them to give them the tools where they can analyze their deals and do their own due diligence. So with a lot of our clients, they're trying to create financial freedom via a monthly or passive income more than monthly expenses. So we will guide them to do that. And in one of the tools we will do that, I mean, there's many ways to create passive income. But we also have the foundation where we use the infinite banking concept to kind of help them 
achieve their goals in less time with more certainty. Got it. So basically investors who want to invest and have disposable income, they go to you so they can learn more about how they can vet investments and how passively invest in, is it only in real estate or other asset classes and and other investment vehicles? Great question. What we have is what we call our hierarchy of wealth. You may have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm -hmm. That we have these basic human needs and they need to be met in order, right? And like I like to say, if you haven't eaten in 10 days, you're probably not going to ask a person out on a date right? Because you, you have those probably. priorities you haven't eaten, right? There's mm-hmm. probably some of your listeners who wouldn't care if they haven't eaten in a year, right? They're going to ask somebody on a date. But in all practicality, you know, we have these human needs and we need to meet them in order. And we believe the same philosophy goes to building wealth, that we don't want to just go for these high risk, high rewards at the beginning. We need to build a foundation, we need to make sure that we have a sound savings. We're looking for assets that are certain, that we have control of, and we have collateral of. And then once we max out that tier, then we go to the second tier. And that second tier, we lose a certainty, but now we are looking for assets that we have control of and we have collateral of, which a lot of things would be investing in yourself, starting a business, investing in real estate. And then the third tier, well, now we're going to lose some of the control, but we're going to have collateral. And the way we use collateral, meaning that that there's an asset backing up the investment, right? Because you ever look at an investment or a pro forma and everything looks pretty, right? All the numbers oh, yeah. look good. Yeah. If they didn't, nobody would buy it. But so ideally, we want that an asset backing it up. So if things do go wrong, because they sometimes will, we have that asset that we have collateral of that we can sell. So that third tier would be partnerships, syndications, right? Because the syndications can be a great way to create some passive income, right? One of the downsides is we lack some of the control because right. we're a smaller mm-hmm. partner. So those definitely have their place, but our goal is we need to work our way up. And then also in tier three would be lending or maybe some other partnerships. And then tier four is we called speculative, meaning there's no certainty, there's no collateral, and there's no control. And some of those may be, well, stocks, we call a paper asset, Bitcoin, and startups. Angel investing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They all have their place, but our goal is, you know, just like Maslow, we need to work our way up. So that also is a way for, you know, clients, potential clients to understand our philosophy. Because typical financial planning, they have you starting out in tier four, speculative, right? So we want to be clear that we're very different than typical financial planning. And we believe financial planning has failed. And we even have an ebook on, on our website. That yeah, why, goes why in. would you say that? Well, if you go to Infinite Wealth Consultants and then in the top under resources, there's a link there called Financial Planning Has Failed. 
But in there, not only will they get the book with some resources, but some additional emails with links to videos and more resources. Because what we view our goal as being educators, we're not going to tell you what to do. What we want to do is educate you so you can make the best decision for your family. I think it's really interesting that you're talking about multiple tiers. When I started my career in real estate, I was working with accredited and with non-accredited investors. And many times when I was speaking with non-accredited investors, I sensed that, not many times, but sometimes I sensed that it's their last or only $50,000 that they Mm. can invest. And there was a lot of anxiety and uncertainty that came with it. And it was just amazing the correlation, looking back, correlation between the amount of time I spent Mm. with an investor it was basically reversed to the amount of money they had and how wealthy they were basically because the guy that only has 50k to invest at some point in my career I realized I didn't really want to invest with that person because I don't want them to lose sleep over yeah. this investment and I think if they go through those different you know tiers once you know they've built their wealth in a way that, you know, if they lose their 50K or if it's going to be 1.6X return and not two or not 1.9X, it's not going to change that much. Nothing in their, you know, their life savings is not going to go, you know, not going to disappear. Their lifestyle is going to be the same. And maybe when you're not trying to jump from the beginning to the highest to tier three or four, but you're starting from base one, and you're building your wealth, and then you're comfortable enough to take part of it and kind of accelerate the risk profile. Some guys, you know, their appetite for risk is higher than others, and they're ready, you know, to go all the way. If you had a fifth year, they would be there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just play blackjack. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell me like a story of someone, you know, one of your clients that wanted to run through those tiers super quickly. I think that would be interesting to know because I'm pretty conservative myself being, you know, a former lawyer and all. And I would like, I didn't really do it the way that you guys did. I think that that could have been interesting. But do you have any interesting stories from, you know, someone who was trying to jump, you know, some tiers up to accelerate quickly? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I could give you probably numerous. And what I would say to that is, a lot of times we end up talking clients back, right? Is you're asking for an example where somebody just wanted to go from zero to a hundred right from the get-go. And we do run into that quite often, right? A lot of people will kind of get familiar with some of our strategies and they just call us up and they're say, hey, we're, we're all in. I want to put every last dollar <laughs> that I've got into this thing. And to be honest, the conversation that I had with a client this morning was we were looking at contributing X dollars this policy. And I designed something for this client that I thought was a great fit. And we started going through it. And at the end of it, she's like, well, what if I put in this much more money? And the question I had for her was, where's that money going to come from? And she said, well, I'm just going to pay for it out of monthly cash flow." And I was like, well, let's take a minute. And let's think about what that's going to feel like, right? If you contribute that much more money every single month, when you write that check, are you going to think about it? And she goes, yeah. And I go, okay, so let's back up five minutes ago. And if you write that check that we had discussed in the first place, are you going to think about it? And she goes, no. And I said, okay, well, listen, we're just getting started. So let's go with the check where you can write that you're not going to think about it is because worst case scenario for us 
is we don't want to bring stress into your life. Yeah. What we're doing is we're bringing control, right? And so by starting little by little, I think Anthony and I have both had success over the years by almost reining people in instead of just letting them go, right? And saying, hey, here's, here's where we're going to start. And what I've found personally is that clients will come back six months, 12 months later, and they say, okay, I'm ready to get started. I want to do a little bit more. And again, what I emphasize to them up front is when we get started, the only thing we need to worry about is really just the process and the habit. And it's just like working out, right? Is you can't, you know, get fit in one day, but it's just about creating that habit over a period of time. And so that's usually where I try to take people. So I don't know anything got anything to add to that. Well, I could share a story personally that we were saving again. This is going back, you know, 12 or 13 years, right? Where I was using a typical financial planner. So we were in that all in at tier four, right? We were max up, maximizing really no control, no certainty and no collateral. And unfortunately, the victim of this would be my son, where his college plan in 08 lost 60% of what we had saved. And one of the important things, I know everybody lost money, almost not everybody, right? But everybody in the stock market lost money in 2008. The problem was he was going off to college a year and a half later. Like we didn't have the time to regroup or stay in like our financial advisor had told us. On the bright side, my daughter came out better because she only lost 50%. But that's kind of when, yeah, that's when I realized, you know what, that typical financial advice that we're giving and we're just, we're taking it as gospel just ain't so. And that's when I kind of learned, like, I need to be a more active role and I need to know what I'm doing and why. And I need to do my due diligence. I was just delegating it to, a financial planner that had the initials after his name and a nice office. But bottom line is my, our family got hurt. But I will say, just like we had talked a little bit earlier before we started recording, is that going through diversity, we had talked medical issues, makes you stronger. It's the same thing in life, right? And the same thing in financial. So we learned a valuable lesson, but I tell you, I needed to learn that lesson to kind of get where I wanted to be. And now my kids are following a similar pursuit where they're investing in raw, we're flipping raw land. My daughter's buying a rental property. She's only 21, right? Oh, but that's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like we, and that's part of our philosophy is you're going to leave a legacy. Right. But people put too much emphasis in the dollars. Right. And again, we want them to learn the sense. Right. We want them to learn about money when they have a little bit. So when they get our legacy, when my wife and I pass, they already know how to handle money. So Which they're going to be, in, yeah, well, they're going to be in a position to grow it. But I know with me, if I would have uh, had a large amount of money when I was young, I would have had a fun three years, maybe four, <laughs> right? But I wouldn't have went in the army. I wouldn't have went to college, at least not right away. But it's just some of those things, it's important for us to go through and learn from. 
Yeah, I think you touched on a very, very important point. So I don't have kids, mm -hmm. but I what I see around me, you know, a lot of kids that, you know, their parents are successfully investing in, a, you know, accumulated wealth and the kids don't necessarily understand any of it. Basically, one of my friends slash investors, she calls it, you know, she said that her son has a rich kid syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I said, what's that? And she said, you know, he feels comfortable that he's not extremely motivated to, you know, mm -hmm. learn about money, learn about investing, you know, because mom and dad are rich. So I'm basically good. I don't need yeah. to learn how to handle money. They, they did it, you know, for me. And I think it's a really missed opportunity if you don't teach your kids. And if you don't know enough, at least I'm trying to think, you know, hook them up with a good financial advisor, someone like yourself or someone who can teach them how to take what they have and grow it. What I was going to jump in there is what I've seen and Anthony touched on earlier is why financial planning has failed, why we believe that. One of the biggest reasons is that the approach to the last several generations from a financial advisor perspective has been, give me the money. I'm the smartest guy in the room and let me take care of it and come back for it. And I'll tell you how it's doing every six months, mm -hmm. right? You're not teaching anybody anything. And so the parents in most scenarios don't know anything, right? Because that's how it's been proposed to them is just give me the money and I'll show you what I'm doing with it kind of, right? And so that there's nothing to pass down to the kids. There's no education that the parents have. And I think a lot of times that's why it gets swept under the pillow and it's not discussed is because they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel like they have enough to share with the kids. Interesting. So you, you guys basically flip the model. You're not the tool that grows their money. You're giving them the tools and educate, you know, investors so they can grow their money. So I think it brings back some of the control because I know some investors are not necessarily comfortable with syndication because they have no control mm -hmm. over it. And, you know, forget the fact, you know, whether they have the time or the expertise to do it. I'm putting this aside. Some investors, and I totally respect that, they want to own, you know, a single family home, duplex, triplex. They want to see and oversee everything. They want to talk to the tenants and in syndication kind of lose control. But then you bring that money to a financial advisor and forgive me, all my financial advisor friends. And then you kind of lose control over what you've Absolutely. earned, you know, yeah. Yeah. And what I would add to that, you know, one of the things that we do is like our process before we take on a new client, we get on what's called a discovery call. We want to know what their goals are and kind of what they're trying to accomplish. And the problem is like the example that you mentioned before, most people's goal when you talk to them about it is they want to create some passive income. They want some financial freedom. They want to work because they want to work, not because they have to work. And the way to do that is to create some passive income. And then the example you'd mentioned, you can create passive income through syndications, through single family or duplex, or that's what's so great about real estate. But you give it to a typical financial advisor, they're going to invest it in the market. And the market can be a place for growth, but it's not the best place to create passive income. So the problem is if their goal is financial freedom, they're not going to achieve it through a typical financial planner. At what point do you think it makes sense for 
someone to go seek for advice from a financial planner or from reaching out to you? Is there a certain kind of income or net worth that you say, hey, now it makes sense for you to seek for professional help, you know, to help you invest your money? I love this question. So sorry, Cameron, but yeah, it's quick on the drop. Typical financial planner, like if you go to one of the big houses or whatever, they're going to have minimums, right? And the better the advisor, the larger the minimum. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, so if you're just starting out, who are you going to meet with? You're not going to meet with a guy or girl who's been doing this 10, 15 years, who knows her stuff. You're going to be meeting with a guy fresh out of college who, you know, just really isn't going to be able to provide that education. And the problem is there's a big gap there because there's a lot of doctors, attorneys, a lot of professionals that make a lot of money, but their net worth is really typically in their business or their practice. It's not one that can be invested in. So it may be difficult for them to meet with the top financial planners. But our business model is very different. Thus, our minimum isn't financial or dollar-wise. It's more mental. What we require for a client is they need to be teachable. right? We don't want somebody who just says, okay, here's my money. Just like Cameron says, I'll be back in six months to see how it went. That is not for us. right? But what we're looking for people who want to learn because some of these concepts are going to be different, even with syndications, right? Most people, they're taught in an early age to invest in the market, put your IRA, 401k. Mm-hmm. And so they need to be open to different ideas. So they need to be teachable. And also they need to be in a position to take action. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you want to be in a position to have control over you know, your wealth? over the money that you've accumulated in hard work. That's how I see it. Us too. You'd be surprised. (laughs) The one thing I'll add to that is, and we've got a podcast as well. You can see it here in the background, Infant Wealth Podcast. But the way that we really use that is we use that to highlight different opportunities. So we've got clients that come to us and we'll kind of start working with them. And they're looking for ways to create passive income. And so what we've done on our podcast is we brought in speakers to talk about different business models or different ways to create that income as an introduction to our clients. And so we look forward to having you on as well. But yeah, if anybody's listening is looking for ideas or opportunities, man, you know, check us out. We have arrived to the lightning round questions. That's the last part of the show. I think you guys, you know, provided really, you know, kind of fresh perspective on financial advisory as a whole. And forgive me all my financial advisors, you know, friends. So the first question for you guys is about your favorite hobbies. I've got my kids are 10, 8 and 6. And so for me, a priority right now is hanging out with those guys. And so... I go home at night and or after work and I'm usually playing cards or playing with the kids right now. Pretty exciting. Well, I would say my favorite hobby currently mm-hmm. is similar because I'm acting like I'm eight to 10 years old. And <laughs> for Christmas, my wife got me a tabletop arcade game that has Miss Pac-Man and Galaga. Wow. Which were my That's two cool favorite. Gift. Yeah. 
total surprise. Those were my favorite games growing up. But now I'm teaching again with my legacy, not only financial, my kids are going to be great at Miss Pac-Man and Galaga. Still remember that. Still remember that mm-hmm. game. That's an awesome game. What's the one thing that most people don't know about you and you're willing to share here on a show? I dropped something that Cameron, I don't think even knows. <laughs> Cameron doesn't know it and Cameron's going to be jealous. Okay. That's okay. I was in a Harley Davidson jeans commercial what? in college. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Was it back in the 90s? Yes. <laughs> I was discovered <laughs> on the college campus and... I didn't have a major role. They needed a bunch of a bunch of guys, so I was just one of the bunch of guys. But it was a cool, it was just a cool experience to kind of see like the other side of the camera, how they film it, and then you get to see the reverse side, and then you see how much time is wasted. Well, you're just sitting around doing nothing, but it was it was a cool experience. And I would add to, or at least on my perspective, something most people don't know is. I've been to two Olympics. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Went to 2000, 2004 in Athens, 2008 in Beijing. It was unbelievable. Did wow. you compete or were you just sitting there watching? Actually, my brother-in-law was competing. And so he competed in both and we went and checked them both out. It was, it was an amazing cool. experience. Yeah. You guys have such exciting lives. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, my life is not that exciting. It's all about spreadsheets and returns and, and walking properties, which is exciting to some extent. Hey, I'm I'm a recovering CPA, so I, I, I still <laughs> okay. enjoy okay. a good spreadsheet. Okay. So what do you wish that you had known when you first started looking into investments? And I think you, you guys touched on it earlier. I'll jump in there. What I wish is, I've said this before to Anthony, is we've had many conversations about it and we did a podcast on it, but words are important. And so I wish that somebody would have sat me down late teens, early twenties and told me the difference between saving, investing and speculating Mm. is in our industry. Those three words, which are completely different, often get interchanged. And so I wish somebody would have told me that earlier. I would say early on, I was taught to focus on building a net worth. And really, to me, what I found more important is cash flow. So I wish early on, I would have been focused on creating cash flow as opposed mm-hmm. to building a net worth. Interesting. You know what? I also wish Cameron would have given me some hair tips. You know, early on, and now it's kind of a little bit too late. But I'll help you out, buddy. Okay. I got you. Thanks, bro. <laughs> so what's the number one advice that you have for passive real estate investors that want to scale their wealth or, you know, cash flow? And you dropped a lot of kind of golden nuggets, you know, bombs along the show today. But kind of the top advice, if there was one thing that someone who's listening right now can leave the show with and remember just one thing, what would you like that to be? I would say it's important to find a mentor. Mm. Find somebody who has done there and done it. And a lot of people want to share their advice. It's just people aren't asking for them. You know, and when we're in this space, 
you know, if creating passive income, there's not typically like an easy way to learn, right? You kind of have to be self-taught, which I think has a lot of greatness to it. So I would encourage somebody, whatever line that they want to do, whether syndications, fix and flips or whatever, find a mentor and don't focus on the dollars of those first couple deals. Focus on the education that you're receiving that you can take on to your multiple deals in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Cameron? Yeah, what I would say is to approach it with or investing with kind of a macro point of view instead of a micro point of view. Mm is a lot of times we get investors that only focus on just that one deal and they focus on getting, you know, squeezing out an extra interest rate or two on that investment. And what happens a lot of times is they're focused on this piece, which is just the one deal, the micro approach, when you've got to take a macro approach to your wealth or your portfolio in its entirety. And a lot of times you see people leave a lot of money on the table because they, they're not looking at money that's kind of left behind. And so Anthony and I have done a conversation, a podcast on this. We'll make sure that we share the link with you. But that idea, we kind of call it the million dollar mistake. And a lot of people, somebody's got a million dollar portfolio, they're taking 800,000 and they're moving it into investments and they're only focused on what the 800 is doing for them. And they kind of neglect what's happening over here with the 200,000 that they keep in, in reserves. And so you know, people need to understand a macro approach when it comes to personal finances and they can do that. They can make a lot of money very easily. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you again so much for sharing your knowledge and your perspective, unique perspective with our listeners. If anyone wants to reach out to you, check out the information that you talked about earlier. How can they do that? Yeah. We're going to share. And if it's okay with Anthony, what we're going to do is we're going to offer, we have an online course. And this online course, we typically charge $500 for anybody that's not a client to access it. But as a thank you for having us on as a guest, we're going to offer free access to your listeners, Ellie. And so they can go to infinitewealthconsultants.com backslash ready to scale. And what that will do is that will take them to a landing page where they can log in and kind of check out some of the strategies that we've alluded to. Awesome. And we're going to have this link in the show notes. Perfect. And you know, we're on, I mean, we have the website, Infinite Wealth Consultants. We're on Facebook, Instagram, all of the major social medias. And what you're going to find is a lot of our content is educational. We're trying to teach people the truth about money and how they can achieve their goals. All right. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. It was a pleasure hosting you. I had fun. I think it add a little bit more color to how I see financial advising to that whole industry. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure, Ellie. Yeah, thanks thank for, you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So to you, the listeners, I hope that you left the episode today a little bit smarter and more intrigued about investing than you were 30 minutes ago. Be bold, be great, keep moving forward, and I'll see you on the next episode.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.